Okay, welcome everyone. Dashian Miller here from Warrior Concepts, and we're here with this week's episode of Kuden. Kuden Radio, right? So, <clears throat> quick question. What's the difference between a teacher and a mentor? Right? We'll talk about that more during tonight's episode. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's, what, the real truth? Anyway, uh, James, give me a sound check. Uh, I just realized that I didn't hook up the backup or the, the main camera and my way cool ninja mic and all that. Everything's, everything's okay? All right, cool beans. All right, I got my thumbs up, so it's all good. All right, so welcome to Kuden, episode 137. So I don't know, we should plan to do something really, really cool when we hit 150. Um, so, but anyway... Uh, Got to thinking about this. Everybody knows that this Kuden thing, right? Um, more about uh, living and thinking like a warrior more than it's about uh, how to do Kamai and strikes and all that kind of stuff. And if that's a disappointment, then, you know, you know where the back button is and you know how to unsubscribe from things and all that, right? So, but the reality is that there's three, three sides to our training, right? And if you haven't seen the video, uh, that I did on a video lesson a couple of months ago, I think. Um, it's on the it's on the uh, YouTube page uh, on uh, Kaiden, right? Body transmission, right? That's the stuff that everybody tends to get attracted to, right? All the cool stuff, right? And then there's Shinden, right? The the uh, spiritual uh, heart kind of side of training, and Kuden, right? The the knowledge kind of things, right? And um, this is the this is the stuff that Kuden is typically that what's being transmitted from teacher to student, uh, uh, that people would, my, my teachers would have said, uh, this is not a self-defense technique, but has everything to do with self-defense, right? Has everything to do with success, has everything to do with being able to handle challenges, conflict in whatever form, right? So, uh, and the reality though, is that some people, they just want the martial side of things, right? They just want the combat. Although what they're really focusing on is just show me some more moves, right? I just want to be a, I just want to be a fighter. I want to be the guy kind of thing. Right. Um, but you know, I don't want to have to study. I don't want to have to do a whole bunch of observation, right? Cause that's all boring. Right. Um, don't, don't, you know, I, I had one student one time um, and he actually made it to fourth degree black belt in spite of himself. Right. But very early on in his training, um, one day in class, he just looked at me and said, you know, I don't want you talking. Just just tell me where to put my foot. I said, okay, put it right there, right? And then the technique wasn't working any better. And he said, well, but, but like, I, that's supposed to fix it. No, no. What I was trying to tell you through the talking you didn't want to hear was what determines where your foot goes, right? So... Uh, anyway, right. But uh, before we 
took that little uh, intro break, right? Uh, I said I asked the question, what's the difference between a teacher and a and a mentor, right? But before we talk about that, right? Because I, I do want to talk about you know questions that we would ask a mentor, right? Uh, and I did, you know, the title of the of the episode is what's the best question to ask? And of course, this is subjective, right? Um, you can think anything is best, but I'm going to give you a reason, obviously, why um, the one I'm going to give you is the best one, especially if you're looking for growth and you're actually working with a mentor and not just a coach or an instructor or a teacher or whatever. So uh, before we get there, let's let's take a look at the difference between these other titles. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, in our curriculum, right, our curriculum uh, is not just physical moves. It's not just skills and techniques. Right. Um, there's academic requirements. Right. Uh, there's reading. Right. Outside of uh, class. Right. So for those of you who are video only, well, uh, that side's not going to work so well for you. And on top of the reading. Right. Um, students have to submit a book report. Okay. I know, I know, you're not in school anymore, so what gives? Well, I want to see if you, I want to, I want to know that you're comprehending the lessons, right? Um, but also, there's the reality that this art, any art for that matter, right? But this art um, is so full of stuff, right? And so, uh, th there's so much to it, right? That it is impossible for me or any teacher, I don't give a shit what they say, right? Um, it's impossible for us to cover it in class times. It's impossible to cover everything during seminars. It's, impo it's impossible, right? So, and Hatsumi Sensei has been alluding to this for decades, right? I mean, can you imagine how much more he has studied or looked into than even the best of us, right? He's constantly or when he was teaching, he was constantly making references to <laughs> Western poets and writers, uh, to uh, lessons within Noel plays, Japanese Noel, N-O-N-O-H, however you want to spell that, right, which are actually based on Buddhist teachings, uh, you know, uh, kabuki theater, all kinds of things, right? He's making all these references, and 99.8% of the people in the dojo are doing this. Right. So for those of you, I'm sorry, on audio only, I was just nodding. Right. They're just smiling and nodding like like they get it. Right. Um, but people try to just take those little chunks. Right. And then write it out in their notes or they're going to memorize it. And then they're going to they're going to parrot or regurgitate it back in front of their own students as though they know what's going on, because um, very few of them are going to go and 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 look it up. Right. I mean, how do you know he's not blowing smoke up your ass? Right. Because a good mentor will lie to you just to see if you're paying attention. Right. And I know. Right. I'm paying good money, man. You're supposed to give me all the lessons. Well, part of the lessons is go double check your freaking information to make sure that you're not screwing yourself over or you're not following the, following the wrong person. He used to make that point uh, on a regular basis, too, uh, at seminars or Taikai when he would uh, promote people. He would do this testing, right? It was typically when the tests for fifth done were done outside of Japan. And uh, the day after, right, the morning, first thing in the morning before he started teaching, 
he'd invite all the new Godon up on the stage and he'd have everyone demonstrate something. And then at the end of the demonstration, he would say, there you go. There's all the stars in the sky. Some bright, some on the dim side, right? Which ones will you choose to follow? Which ones will you choose to navigate your ship by, right? It's always teaching, always, right? It's one of the things that I learned, right? A true teacher, a mentor is always teaching, not just in class, right? And we're supposed to be paying attention, right? And in reality, everybody's always teaching, okay? But uh, so in our curriculum, right, there's obviously skills and techniques, right? But there's this academic stuff. So everything from Japanese uh, vocabulary, right, because, you know, if you, if you can't translate some of the words or you don't know what we're talking about, then you run the risk of mistranslating things, like translating a kamai as a stance, right, when the Japanese word for stance is dachi, right? And if you do some exploration into where those words came from and what they're pointing at, you find out that kamai and dachi are named after completely different areas of the body, right? And then it needed to kamai go even beyond what kamai is normally translated to or points to uh, in those Japanese lineages that use the term, right? So, um, but there are also questions that cause you or that, that are supposed to cause a student to dive in much more deeply into things, right? Um, so, but one of the questions, right? One of the questions that students have, and I believe it's in our mod four curriculum. Um, so black belt preparation levels, uh, like one, right? There's a couple of phases that we have, right? Um, so these are for the people that are in their, um, the, the year, right? Six months to a year from qualifying to test for Shodan, right? And one of those questions is, what's the difference between a coach, an instructor, and a teacher, right? And everybody has their ideas, right? Um, we define those three things. Right? And again, if you look it up in a thesaurus, you're probably going to find them as synonyms for each other, right? Words that are different, but they all mean the same. But I don't believe that to be true, right? Based on my experience, um, a coach right, is somebody that may or may not be able to do the thing that's being taught, but they're really good at motivating and helping people that are already pretty decent at getting to the next level, right? Um, people that are skilled, to become stars, stars to become superstars, that kind of thing, right? Uh, but they're motivational, right? Um, they can be really good at strategies and tactics and those kind of things, right? How to be better, okay? But the problem with coaches is that they often exclude those who aren't naturals, those who aren't already pretty good, right? Um, and I know, you know, in today's climate, right, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to feel like they're a part of it. It's not about winning. Um, bullshit. From a warrior's perspective, can you imagine standing up for what's right or trying to protect your home or your town or whatever, right? But being okay with losing, right? Why, why bother, right? Why bother, okay? But anyway, so they tend to exclude people because they're good at helping those who already get it to get to the next level, right? 
So, but what about an instructor? Well, by definition, an instructor is someone who passes on data, information, right? Here's how to do this, X, Y, Z, right? So they tend to be more skill and technique oriented, right? So here's this thing, and here's how it gets done, right? It doesn't matter if you're teaching somebody how to operate a word processor, if you're teaching somebody how to, um, you know, throw a front kick uh, or how to tie shoes, right? You're instructing someone into how to, right, do these things, right? And that's all fine, right? Um, but again, <clears throat> instructors tend to have a way of doing things, right? There is a standard kind of thing, right? Here's, here's how I learned it step-by-step, step, so here's how you're going to do it step-by-step, step, right? Um, anybody can be an instructor, right? Uh, here's the scrolls, right? Here are the key points, right? X, Y, Z. You've learned how to do it, so you're going to teach that to the next person, right? So <clears throat> they're really, really good at kata, right? They can fall back on the coaching realm when it comes, as we're talking martial arts here, right? They can fall back on the coaching realm when it comes to areas like rondori or sparring or whatever, right? So you're going to throw out hints and tips for the person to do better, right? But you know, the instructing tends to be very left brain cerebral, right? Coaching can have that aspect, but it tends to be a little bit more experiential and street smart, right? Okay, so what about a teacher? Well, a teacher, again, not mixing job titles, or I'm not mixing preferential titles, right? Well, in our art, we call them instructors. So, and I'll talk about that in a minute when it comes to the word sensei, right? Um, well, that's what everybody does. Well, I don't give a shit what everybody does, right? Um, they could be wrong, right? Or let's think about it this way. The way you define something creates a framework that you're going to operate within, and it's going to produce, hopefully, a certain type of outcome, right? Uh, but the way you define something determines how you will think about it, how you will approach it, Right. Where you think the beginning and end of it is all that. Right. So anyway, but let's get back to teacher. Right. Um, to me, a teacher is anybody that is someone who can take anyone who walks in the door. Let's say in my dojo. Right. They walk in the door. Whatever their understanding or lack thereof is, whatever their physical prowess or lack thereof is or whatever, wherever they are. A teacher. Can communicate with that person based on their own reference points to help that person get, right? They're going to learn, right? They're going to learn. So there's instructor stuff in there. There's coaching stuff in there. But they're able, able to take that person and get them to the highest point that that person can get to. Because, again, we have to take into account aptitude, right, intellectual capacity. Um, you know, there, there might be certain physical handicaps or injuries or whatever, right? So they're not going to be – Treating everybody the same. Instructors, right? When I was in the military, right? Instructors, right? Their job was to teach you how to do radio communications, right? Step by step. We use this terminology. We key the mic for this long. We say this at the end of a um, of an open communication. We say this at the end of a closed communication, right? Uh, that kind of stuff, right? Here's the here's the uh, the uh, the 
the, the way we're going to spell out uh, things, right? The syllables, uh, or not the syllables, but the, uh, the uh, what the hell do we call those? Phonetic alphabet. There you go, right? So it's Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, that kind of stuff in the military. But in certain law enforcement departments, it's Adam, uh, you know, Adam, Bob, Charlie, whatever, right? So things are, but it's a unified thing, so everybody's on the same sheet of music. So of course they're going to teach the lessons, right? But they're always keying in on and, and personalizing things for the student. They're not expecting that all students will end up at the same level at the end of the process, right? They are, however, operating on the premise that they can get this student to the highest point that that student can get to based on their level of experience and understanding and whatever, right? So completely different things, right? Um, a coach, right? So in, in our dojo, we have all three, okay? A coach doesn't have to be a black belt, right? So we're going to assign people to new people when they come in, right? For the first couple of classes, so that person can, you know, not feel lost and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Just got to kind of help them out, right? Teacher's teaching a lesson, so the coach can go, okay, all right, so we're going to move your hand here a little bit, that kind of thing, right? They're not teaching. They're helping the, the new student understand what the teachers convey, right? We have instructors, right? I have an instructor training program, right? These students are learning how to be teachers, right, which is going to require, require some experience and some other lessons and whatnot, right? But their their job is to lead a class in the teacher's absence, but at very baseline, right, just covering the standard models so that students have something to work on, right? Here's what we're going to work on tonight. We're going to do it this way and, and that way, right? But they may or may not have any kind of experience in an actual fight on the street, right? So they all, all they have to go on is that kind of thing, and that's fine. We understand that, right? And then we have teachers that have been around for a long time, have actually mixed it up, and have been teaching for a long time, so they're able to help, um, you know, students get, you know, get to, they, they, to go deeper into things, right? So what happens when a, when a new student asks an instructor or a, or a coach something that is beyond them? Well, in my school, they don't blow smoke up anybody's ass. Right. They go, well, I, I don't have that answer. I'll check with sensei or I'll, um, you know, but we can go ask him now or, well, from my understanding, that's down the line. Right. We need to get this first before we move on to the ne ne that next thing. Right. We also divide classes based on level. Right. Um, you know, low level classes, they don't require a black belt to teach. They just require that people have at least a couple of levels above the one that they're teaching, right? So they can get people started, right? They can keep them on track within the framework, right? But the higher people go, the more they're going to need to, uh, to learn nuances. Because otherwise, it's just going to get stale, right? If you've ever, ever been in a martial arts program where the instructor, right, always did things the same way, all your drills were the same, all your kata were the same, all your sparring was the same and whatnot, right? You start to hit a point where you think or feel like, James, correct me if I'm wrong because you've been in other ones, you start to think or feel like like there's nothing new, right? I know all this, right? Um, and it starts to get boring, 
right? Unless something changes. And this is typically where people either quit because they think they know it all or they go looking for something else because they definitely feel like something's missing or they want to keep learning and they're missing the learning process, right? They feel like they're stuck in practice mode and they're not learning anything new, right? Uh, a teacher should always be able to, to move people to the next uh, level or to teach them more nuances or at the very least be honest and say, this is as far as I can take you um, to do more. You're going to need to, you know, go see that person over there or whatever. Right. Because I'm still learning. Right. You're hitting the point where we're going to be peers. And so let me introduce you to my teacher or let me introduce you to that person over there. Right. And then, you know, you can you can keep going if, if you so choose. Right. Um, so but either way. Right. We're still in that. We're starting to we're starting to look at things, but um, we're still kind of in that paradigm where everything can be done group wise. Right. Um and I mean, students can, you know, they can pay for private classes or private lessons or whatever. But ultimately, you know, if you're working with a coach and they can call themselves an instructor all they want, they can call themselves a teacher all they want. Right. But if they operate like a coach. Right. They're a coach. I don't care what name you give it. Right. What's that uh, old old uh, saying? Right. A rose by any other name. Right. You can call it whatever you want. But if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Right. Um, whatever. Right. So. Uh, but they're only going to go so far. Right. They could, because they're they're operating a certain way. Right. But that's not the point. Right. The, the, not, the, not the point of this episode anyway. Right. What I really wanted to talk about was this concept of mentorship. OK. Mentorship or, or f being with a mentor, because when I'm talking about a mentor, I'm not talking about using a substitute word for instructor or teacher. Okay. I learned that a long time ago. They're not the same, right? But just like a teacher will instruct on certain things, right? But can go farther. They will use coaching tactics in certain realms, but they're not limited to that, right? A mentor will do certain things that a teacher does, certain things that an instructor does, certain things that a coach does. But there are things that are different, right? The things that, that there's there's something that's different, okay? So to convey that, and some of you may know this story, but um, I'm going to share it again because it's, it's in the right context. Uh, a bunch of years ago, right, um, I really wanted to learn Japanese more than just going through my Pimsleur course or whatever courses I was using at the time, right? Um, and the problem, the, the big problem that, that experts uh, point out about language is that most people struggle with it because um, they don't have anybody to practice with. They don't have anybody to, to, uh, to communicate with in, within that language, right? So best way to learn a language that they've discovered is to get into a relationship with somebody who speaks the language, right? You're almost forced to learn it because, right? You need to be able to communicate. Otherwise, you know, maybe they'll learn your language, right? But then every once in a while when you completely thoroughly piss them off and then they start swearing at you in their language, right? But anyway, I mean, they found that that's the best way because people are more motivated to be able to communicate, not 
just linguistically, but on a mind to mind, heart to heart basis with with, um, with this other person or these other people. Right. And it could be it could be an intimate relationship. Right. It could be that kind of thing, but it could also be friendships. Right. It could be um, uh, work related or whatever. Right. Um, but you got more of a friendship, intimate kind of thing going on. Right. Second best way is to move to a place where that's the primary language. Right. And to, to operate, to be able to navigate, get around. Right. Process the world um, so that you can be OK. You can be comfortable. Uh, it's it's to do it that way. Right. It's to it's to move there. Right. Anything else falls short because you're trying to memorize and you're trying to hold it in your head, but you don't have everyday need for the new language. Right. So. Um, so anyway, I, I I took to hiring uh, tutors. OK. And not just anybody who could speak the language. Right. I am lucky enough to live in the state in the U.S. where we have the highest concentration of colleges and universities. Right. Pennsylvania holds the distinction of having more colleges and universities than any other state in the union. OK. But even more than that. Right. Um, I have uh, three universities within a 30 minute drive. One is within 20 minutes and one is within 10 minutes of my house. Okay. So the cool thing about those is that sometimes what you find is that uh, there's an interracial marriage or something, right? And so there's a professor, Anglo, who's married to a native speaker, right? Married somebody from some other country, China, Japan, Germany, whatever, right? And so the spouse is looking for other things to do. And so I was lucky enough to find not just people that spoke Japanese, but people that were native Japanese, right, who learned English. And so uh, I, I went through several of these. Uh, unfortunately, you know, people move around and, and whatever. Right. But I found one again. It was the wife of a of a university professor. Uh, I can't remember if it was Susquehanna or Bucknell at this point, but either way. Um, so. She gave me lessons, right? She gave me things to do. And right here's vocabulary, here's sentences, here's structure and whatnot. Um, she was a really good teacher. Right. But. She was also like when we had our, our get togethers, right, we would discuss how Japanese people think and communicate, how they process things, because she would she'd give me a, a list of words and say, OK, uh, next week when we meet, um, what I want you to do is make up 20 sentences that have these these words in them or these little phrases or whatever. Right. So I would do that. And then we would we would discuss and she, you know, she would look at these things and go, OK, well, that one's good. This one's good. Right now, there's five different politeness levels. Right. So if we were going to speak to someone like if you're going and then it started to work into because she knew I did this because often my classes were at the dojo uh, in between classes. And she would say, OK, if you're going to discuss things with Hatsumi Sensei or one of your seniors, then this word is going to get modified this way or you're going to use a completely different word. 
Okay. So anyway, it was it was a really cool uh, relationship, right? Uh, I wouldn't call her a mentor because she wasn't teaching me to be Japanese. There's a distinction, right? Certain types of teachers, certain types of uh... – that's weird. Am I on? Yes. Yes. Now you are. Well, that was really weird. It just froze nice up for a internet. second, and then. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hopefully, there wasn't a, there's not a storm rolling in, or there wasn't an accident nearby that took out a pole or something. So, anyway, all right. So as long as we're good, yeah, I'm good now. Yes, you're good. Okay. Awesome. Okay. All right. Seems like it was a little bit of lag time, and I keep getting little warning things here. So, anyway, I apologize if things uh, go haywire, but. Um, we're at the we're at the whim of uh, technology. Anyway, so where was I? Um, so again, I'm, I'm starting to allude to this mentor thing, but anyway, so I'm dealing with this. I'm, I'm having these uh, these uh, lessons with this one tutor, right? It's very nice. Uh, obviously, like I said, native Japanese uh, helped me out with with the different politeness levels and all those kind of things. And um, I needed to write a letter to Hatsumi-sensei in Japan. And the rule back in the day, and I think it's still the rule, but these things had to be in Japanese, right? So I was always trying to find somebody to translate or whatever. And then I go to Japan and find out that all these people are like writing in English or in their native tongue. And then staff in Japan are translating things. Hmm. So much for requirements, right? But anyway, um, so she said she would, right? And so I wrote this letter out, and we didn't get past the first part of the letter, right? Because I wrote out, you know, in typical English, right, dear sensei. And she said we wouldn't, we wouldn't use the dear thing. You just write out this thing. And so she was having a problem. She took the letter with her, and then she came back. And the letter actually turned into a, a full-on lesson. Uh, or a bunch of lessons uh, afterwards. But the first part really threw her off because we had had discussions about my relationship with Hatsumi Sensei and lessons learned and philosophy and all kinds of things, right? And so, you know, I let it off with Sensei and she said, I don't think this is the right word. And I said, oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's what we, and this is what people have confronted me with since I have learned something different, right? That's more in line with the way the Japanese think and communicate and, and whatnot, right? But she said, I don't think this is the right word. And I said, no, no, it's, it's martial arts. It's, you know, we use a sensei. She said, yeah, no, I, I understand. But um, sensei is just a teacher, right? Like anyone, like a school teacher is known as sensei, right? Um, it could be used as an honorific. Right. If somebody's like, let's say I'm a I'm a law student or I just got, you know, passed the bar exam or whatever. And I'm a new lawyer and, uh, you know, I'm talking with somebody and they point out somebody has been in law for a long, long time and they're really, really, really good at what they do. And I could learn a lot by just watching them. 
right? Being in their sphere of influence, right? So instead of, let's say the person's name is, uh, you know, Yamamoto or whatever, right? Instead of saying Yamamoto-san, right, they would say Yamamoto-sensei because they're alluding to the fact that I could learn something from them. So they don't need to have the title of sensei. But either way, I'm learning how to do this job, how to do this vocation, how to do this thing, right, better from this person, right? So it doesn't have to be a one-on-one conveyance, right, where they're the acknowledged teacher and I'm their student and, and that kind of thing, right? So anybody that I'm, I'm, I learn anything from, right, um, I could identify them as my sensei, right, the person who taught me this thing, right? Um, so, but we're talking about this and I, I, you know, I'm not quite getting it. She says, no, no, no. So, uh, he's, he's taught you, uh, more than just martial arts. Yes. More than just martial arts skills. Oh yes. Right. So he's taught you, uh, about, uh, you know, warriorship and how a warrior would, uh, look at or, operate or whatever with regards to relationships, uh, not just in the dojo. Yes. Uh, you know, philosophy, all those kind of things. Right. Um, you know, it's changed you as a person. Right. Um, you have learned more from him than would be uh, kind of put into a box. Right. Uh, regarding a topic. Right. Martial arts, rolling, punching, kicking. Yes. Okay. The proper word is shiso. Shiso. We would spell it S-H-I-S-O, long O, uh, but it could also be spelled S-H-I using, I think, the Hepburn system, S-H-I-S-O-U. Adding a U after a vowel, uh, when we're spelling it in Romaji, tells you to hold the vowel twice as long, right? Especially with, like, the word O or the letter O. Right. But anyway, shiso, right? And shiso means, it can mean mentor, right? Which is like, you know, we're talking about here, but it points more to a teacher of life, right? Like a role model, right? That kind of thing. Um, and so that's how the letter got addressed and was sent off. Uh, I got no corrections about it. Um, but thinking about it now, um, I remember a couple of times after that letter being sent, I was in Japan and, uh, you know, it was my last class before heading back. And um, I would say to my, my goodbyes to sensei at the end of class, right? Uh, just, just a quick kind of thing, right? And more often than not, that turned into an extra lesson. Like he would, he would tell me something and then he would point to like a scroll on the wall or he pointed something and he'd give me this long thing, right? And I mean, by the time I got on the train, I'm starting to lose part of it. So I'm really trying to scribble this stuff out to, to kind of remember. Right. But I'll, I'll never forget that lesson where she made it a point to to make a difference. Right. And how the Japanese see a difference between someone who is conveying information or how to instructions about something you're trying to learn. And somebody who goes way beyond that to where the relationship and the lessons aren't easily packaged. They're not easily um, – is this making sense, James? Does this make sense? 
right? It's it's just not easily um, uh, structured, you know, put into it, put into a given structure or box. Right? Does that make sense? Right? Um, I don't even know if James can see me. Things look like they're kind of frozen up on his side. Anyway, um, I need some kind of identifier to know that I'm still on. Yay? No? All right, well, I'm just going to keep on going, so hopefully this is all working out. Um, yes? No? You're good. James, your camera's frozen. Okay, all right. Okay, so um, so that kind of led me to think about this idea of uh, mentorship, right? Because I have other people in my life that know things that I need to know that I consider them more of a mentor than a teacher. Do they teach? Yes, right? But it's not easily boxed, right? Um, it's more of a taking under one's wing, right? It's definitely more of a personal one-on-one um, -on -one relationship, okay? So, yes, I could be in a group learning from them, but I could also not be. Right? When I think about uh, seminars that I've hosted um, with different instructors over the years, right? Some instructors came in, taught what they needed to teach, wanted to be taken to the hotel afterwards or, you know, after we I fed them, you know, dinner, whatnot, and pick them up the next morning and bring them back so that they could basically do their job, right? Or outside of the training, right? You know, we sat around and chatted and things like that, but it was just, it was, it was just people talking, right? And then other ones, um, like from the very beginning of my relationship with, uh, Shoshi Malmstrom, right? Uh, for those of you who know Bud Malmstrom, um, you know, my, the first time I hosted him for a seminar, I was stationed with the army. I was in, in what was then West Germany, right? And so brought him over and, we would, uh, you know, whether it was breakfast meal, lunch meal, dinner, whatever, right? Those meals almost always involved discussions about how to do things better, right? Um, there was always input, right? Um, regardless of whether it was positive or negative, because it was not always good, <laughs> right? Um or, you know, going back to my my place uh, afterwards, right? Because his, his deal was, I'm not sitting around in, uh, you know, in a hotel room waiting to do the next thing, right? If if I'm in town for a seminar, um, based on our relationship, you're getting extra free training. You're getting extra whatever, right? So a lot of that just turned into these, these you know, extra, we'll call them extra lessons, right? But between him and my first teacher in the art, right, they were very, very clear about, you know, if you're in the presence of your teacher, you need to be paying attention because they're teaching you how to be all the time, right? How to walk, how to talk, how to carry yourself. How does a warrior do that, right? And if there's a disconnect between, you know, what, what somebody does in the dojo and how they talk, and how they carry themselves around every day, then that you just need to pay attention to that as well, 
as we said, was always pointing those kind of things out. Um, so, uh, again, there's this mentor thing, right? So, um, I was, I was doing my own research here in the last couple of days. Um, and the last couple of days have not been easy, right? A lot of you know that I'm dealing with, uh, trying to save a house. Um, and, and we lost one of our black belts, right? Uh, last night, uh, I got a call that, uh, one of my black belts lost his oldest son who was only 30, um, just completely unexpectedly, right? It wasn't in an accident or anything. It was just, um, so, um, but my mentors taught me how to be a teacher, how to be there for my students, right? So I spent a couple hours at my, my student's house just being there, right? Because uh, some of those mentors, one was my Buddhist teacher, uh, again, several of these teachers uh, taught me what the teacher's responsibility was, right? Um, what kind of things do you provide to your students that are not lessons, right? They might be things that will prepare them for things. It might be things they need to practice, whatever, right? That's not teaching me how to do a stomp kick. It's not teaching me how to do tangeki or say on there, whatever, right? It's teaching, teaching me how to be, right? Um, and so anyway, um, but we would have these, these conversations, right? So, uh, as a part of this research, um, I encountered this, this question, right? And, and this perspective, and it really got me thinking, right? Um, what's the best question? That you can ask a mentor. Okay? Because when most people think about questions for the teacher, what? They're wrapped around things like, um, how do I do this thing? Right? What mistakes am I making? How do I do this better? It's, it's more around task things, right? How do I do this? Right? Um, you know, if they're learning how to, um, whatever it, it, it's skill based, right? Now that being said, it's all skill based, right? Um, but is that really like are those really like the best questions that I can ask? Okay, what is the best question? Right, and. And I'm talking about, like, if you got the answer to this, it wouldn't just make incremental changes or improvements. Like, it would change everything about the way you approach the thing that the question was about, right? Or it would change how you do just about everything, right? That's centered around that piece, right? Um, and this, this really kind of again half of it was based on the research I was doing and the other half while I was processing this I got to thinking about what some people have told me um, over the years some pretty recently right that you know that they're content with working on their own right they jump around from lesson to lesson or they get things where they can right and so the belief is, if I just keep working on this long enough, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll find the answers. Um, and I would say maybe, right? But we have to, again, go back to that thing that I said earlier, that the way we think about anything creates a paradigm, creates a framework, right? And that's going to structure everything else. It's going to determine everything else. It's going to create a bottleneck, right? It's going to create a ceiling that you're just not going to get beyond. But as long as we're thinking linearly and we're thinking about getting better at the thing, the way we think about it, then we should be okay. But is that producing the kind of results that we want to see or is it just keeping us content because we're progressing? Right. What I've learned is that mastery or, you know, what allows the one percent or the one tenth of one percent to produce what we think of as mastery. They don't even think about things the same way that the majority does. Not not even a little bit. Right. Um So, again, you know, I think the biggest value in in having a mentor is in them being able to point out or share with you things that you didn't even know you didn't know. You didn't even know that 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 was something that was important or wasn't something that was connected, right? Um, The the. I just, I think I shared it online, right? There was a meme that, that somebody had shared and I, I saw this thing. And I thought, wow, this is freaking brilliant, right? It was a quote by Will Rogers, right? No famous cowboy type guy here in, in the, in the States a long time ago. And the, the, the quote was like from a father to a son. And he said, uh, son, uh, one man, may read right to learn right and to me this this implied also like research and study and those kind of things right a few more will learn through observation but the vast majority need to pee on the fence to learn for the for, to learn for themselves okay and that's all fine right because i think experience i think all three of those things are important right on the journey but you got to survive the peeing on the fence to learn the lesson, right? To, to learn that uh, this is why you don't pee on a fence because it might be electrified, right? Um, but anyway, right? So a, a mentor is there to, 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 to point things out. But see, the questions that I had mentioned earlier, right? How do I do this? What do I need to learn? Is this right? All that kind of stuff, right? Kind of pigeonholes a mentor into a teacher's position and the student positions themselves in the, in the role of guide, right? I'm going to determine what I'm learning because, you know, if I, if, if it's not a question I have for the teacher, then is it something I really need to know? Well, we kind of get it that, you know, you go learn a martial art or whatever. I didn't know, didn't know about those pressure points. I didn't know this or whatever. That's all fine. Right. But. Are you 
is that kind of thinking really going to take you as far as you can go? Or is it going to make the drastic changes that you're going to need to produce the results that you really want? Okay. One of the things that a mentor told me a long time ago was um, you're going to need more time, effort, energy, and resources than you currently think is even possible for you to get where you want to go. Right. It's it needs you're going to need more. Right. Way more than you can even fathom. Right. Um, but anyway, so um, what what is the best question? OK. The best question. Because we again, what you're really trying to get from a mentor is. It, it, is for them to share with you what they have learned. Right is critical, is non-negotiable, right? But what you're trying to get from them is stuff that you don't even know you don't know, right? So I think the best question that you could ask a, a mentor is, what do I believe to be true that's wrong? Because we're always operating based on what we believe is is true, is so, right? And everything, everything that we think, everything that we speak, all plans, right, and all actions come from that perspective, that belief, right? So what is it that I believe to be true that's wrong? Right? In our Mikio uh, study, and I know I refer to this stuff a lot, but it, it's, it, it forms a foundation for everything, right? It's the framework. Right. Or it can it can give you an expedient framework. Right. Um, there's this uh, set of uh, the study area known as the Noble Eightfold Path, which is, you know, it, it's a collection of eight areas of your life that if you are mindful in these areas. Right. This is where you're you're acting, you're thinking, speaking and acting and. uh if you're mindful in these areas, you will produce less negative karma, right? You will reduce or eliminate the friction, frustration, suffering, discontent, right, in your life, right? And while you can list these in just about any order, right, there is a logic to the order, but, uh, and they can all be reduced, right, this entire eight thing, and Mikyo is reduced to something that a lot of you know of as the sun sheet. Or the sun, um, the <laughs> uh, sun mitsu, right? The triple secrets of success, right? Uh, thought, word, and deed. But at the very beginning of this list, like number one is not negotiable, right? The very first thing on the list is right view or right perspective, however you want to translate that that Sanskrit, right? But right doesn't mean right versus wrong. It means uh, right and appropriate, uh, you know, whatever, right? But in this context, normally right throughout the whole thing, right, right uh, thought, right speech, right action, right effort, right livelihood, that kind of thing, right? Um, means more like appropriate, right and appropriate based on context and all that kind of stuff, right? Number one, right view or right perspective points to what Hatsumi Sensei has been talking about with regards to natural. 
um, it's summed up in our phrase ninpoi kan, right? The law of the ninja is the law of naturalness. The law of the ninja is the way of the universe, that kind of thing, right? It's this, it's this bedrock, right? This is the way things are, right? This is the truth about things, right? So the idea with number one, right view, right perspective is your, if your perspective, if your view, if your beliefs are in alignment with ultimate truth, with nature, with the way things really are, then everything else, your thoughts, your words, your actions, all that kind of stuff, right, are going to be on because they're all going to be based on what's really going on. That's like, you know, if, when you're, if you're sparring or you're actually in a fight, right? If you make assumptions about what this guy is going to do or you make assumptions about his skill level or whatever, or you're focused on what you're going to do to him and you're not paying attention to what he's actually doing or watching his allies, right, shift into position, right, at the very best, you're going to have a serious uphill climb to win this thing, unless you luck out, right? But in our Mikio, um philosophy, luck is just uh, karma and actions and conditions that all came together that you weren't aware of that manifested in the in the time and place where you, you know, oh, boy, that was lucky. No, you just weren't able to manage those things, right? Um, but if you're, if you're, you know, if, if you're paying attention, right? I mean, Sun Tzu pointed this out in his Art of War, right? If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you can't win. If you only know one, but not the other, you know the enemy, but not yourself, you know yourself, but not the enemy for every loss or for every win, you're going to suffer a loss. It's only by knowing both, right? That you can be unbeatable. Okay. But most people don't, that, that takes too much study. That takes too much work, right? It's easier for ego to assume things and then, you know, be like a bull in a china shop, right? Just doing what it does, right? I would say more like a pig in a china shop because they've already done studies and a bull will typically not run into things. A pig, on the other hand, just sees what it wants and just goes for it, right? Uh, not saying that lower level humans are closer to pigs, but anyway, um, uh, what Forrest Gump's line, um, mom always said stupid is as stupid does kind of thing. Right. But if I, if I ask a mentor, right, what do I believe to be true? I mean, they're, they're, they're watching me. They're watching what I'm doing, how I'm acting and all that. Right. And they may not, I may not even have to ask the question. They may just look at me and say, look, I, I know that you think this, is right. I know you think this is true about things, right? But that's, that, that's not it. That's wrong, right? The, the, the fact that you're getting the results you're getting tells me that that's, that's what you believe to be true, right? You think that you can do out of this 18 step process to get from where you are to success, expert level, mastery, whatever, you think you can skip over four, eight, 11, whatever, because you know, you're uncomfortable with them, right? Or because you're uncomfortable, you don't think they're necessary, right? Or because you don't like them, you don't think they're necessary, okay? Well, you're wrong, okay? Of course, that kind of thing also causes people to 
get different mentors, right? Because um, it's the same reason that people change churches, right? Well, you know, the pastor was, or the the priest, or the the minister, or whatever, um, was doing sermons that you know I don't I don't believe that, or I don't, uh, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't what I believe. So we went and found a church where they teach. Uh, where the sermons are are in line with what I believe. Hmm, interesting. Why bother going? Right? If we're going to assume ourselves God, why bother? Right? So, and I'm not advocating for or knocking churches or whatever, but people do this all the time. Right? Um, it's how we find our friends. Right? Because they do the same things that I do. They like the same things that I do. Okay? But they will also be a stopgap because they're also avoiding the same things I want to avoid. So it makes me feel good. It makes me feel okay. Right? A mentor is not supposed to make you feel comfortable. A mentor is supposed to push you on a regular basis. It's supposed to call you on your bullshit. Right? All that stuff. Right? Um, they're supposed to be helping you move into realms that you say you want to be in. They're, they're supposed to help you develop skill sets and uh, and things that, one, you didn't even think existed or you didn't relate that to what you're doing, right? I mean, how many students uh, of the martial arts give any thought to reading someone's body language, facial microexpressions, eye movement, or intonality when they're speaking as a gauge to where they are um, and how close to going physical they might be, or if they're just talking smack. The more you can know these things, the better off you're going to be. The more of these things you can know, the better off you're going to be. James, how much of a lag was that? Sorry, guys, we keep, I keep noticing freezing and whatnot on my end. Was there a big lag? It wasn't a big lag. It was a few seconds at least. All right, so what did we miss? The audio seemed like the audio picked back up. It's just the okay. video was lagging behind more. So the audio, the, the, the audio stayed so the lesson. The lesson continuity was there. What did we miss? I caught the lesson. It like the, it stopped, but like it picked up. It didn't seem like there's a big break in it. And it was just I noticed the video froze. Lee says it cut out for about three seconds. Okay, so what was the last thing you heard, and what was what was the next thing you heard after that, or not the last thing? What, the last thing before the gap, and the first thing that came back, um, or was it not big enough to discern? Uh, anything missing? I don't know what's going on because, like I said, we have high speed here. I don't know if there's something going on with the service. Um, I think it's the service. You think it's the service? All right. Um, anyway, so was there anything that anybody missed, or contextually, you you know what I was saying? I don't think there's anything really missed. Okay. I had to rethink to know. Lee says he had to rethink to know that there was a gap. Okay, fair enough. All right. So, um, but does everybody get what I'm what I'm talking about here, right? Um, the the quality of the question produces the quality of the answer, 
right? And if we don't know what to ask, how do we know that we're not missing something, right? So I get it. Everybody wants to learn on their own. I get it, right? And this is not about you, you know, hopping on the the Warrior Concepts or Daishion Miller wagon or whatever. You can find whoever you need, right? But if we're if we're going to do it ourselves, <laughs> what's what's that? Uh, and I don't know if uh, Einstein said this or not, but I think everybody gets the gist, right? If uh, if all we have is a hammer, right? Then everything every problem is a nail, right? Just how, how, do, how do we, you know, how do we do other things, right? Um, uh, I mean, I can go through a, I can go through a, um, like a, a store in the tool section and just buy one of each thing, right? It's going to cost a lot, take a lot of time, may not know the context for anything, right? But, you know, if something happens, I mean, I don't know that I won't need this, right? Um or I can have someone say, look, the most likely things that you're going to deal with on like on a regular basis, right? You're going to need a Phillips screwdriver. You're going to need a flathead screwdriver. You're going to need a pair of pliers, right? You're going to need duct tape and you're going to need a hammer. Let's start with that, right? Or get a set of screwdrivers, a set of uh, wrenches, uh, you know, whatever, right? Just the common things, right? And then if you have something that pops up, you can always run to the store and grab the tool that you need, right? So you don't need to go nuts on it, but w the question is, what are you trying to fix? <coughs> so, but anyway, like I said, um, I, I think I think the, the best question that I've ever asked my teachers, that my, I'm, I'm using the term teachers loosely because several of them were mentors, right? When I was with them, uh, my Buddhist teacher, call him a teacher. He called himself a teacher, right? But I would literally drive a couple of states across the country to stay at his, well, he turned his apartment into a temple, but um, I would stay at his place for minimum three days. Sometimes it was a week or more. And from wake up to sleep time, didn't matter if we went out to eat, whatever. It was a nonstop, it was nonstop learning, right? I watched him. I watched how he carried things, carried himself. I listened to the way he structured things. Um, everything was a lesson, right? Uh, like I said, when I hosted seminars with my teachers, a couple of them I still see as teachers. A couple of them are definitely mentors, right? Because a mentor doesn't have a problem. Now, I have a, I have a teacher, my first teacher in this art, um, very, very influential, right? And I did watch them all the time and things like that, but um, very rarely did they uh, approach things from the negative, right? They were really good at, at um, bureaucracy <laughs> right so if i pointed out something uh, this guy over here said this or whatever right they would do the old you know bureaucratic two-step 
well, you know, you can do it that way, but I'm going to suggest that you do it like this, right? And then I had other ones that would just look at me and go, you want to be stupid like them too or what? No, not really. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, they were friendly when friendly was needed, but they had no problem using tip of the boot love as well. Right. Um, just I remember one time uh, I had taken some time away from training and finally went to uh, a seminar because I needed I was in the military. So it was it was not me trying to stay away. It was me not being able to get the time. And so uh, I, I went to. Uh, it was a seminar. I think it was in um, I think it was in Atlanta. Hatsumi Sensei was in. This was not a Taikai. Um, or maybe it was. Yeah, because it was, I think there were two Taikai in Atlanta. I think it was the first one, but I had time away and it had been, man, two, three years since I had seen him. And I, I was a white belt. I saw him the first time. And then here it was, you know, coming back in. So I always thought that I was farther down on the hierarchy that I, found out that I was, but either way, it doesn't matter. Um, and um, Rumiko Hayes, Stephen Hayes' wife, um, said, uh, oh, you know, you know, you've met Soke. I mean, yeah, I met Soke. But it's been years, and I don't know if he remembers or whatever. Oh, you know, I'll reintroduce you, right? So she drags me across, I mean, literally, has me by the arm and dragging me across um, the thing, because to me it wasn't necessary, but takes me over there's this stage area right and he's so he's standing up on this on the stage and it was uh, during a break in training and she does this reintroduction and like this entire weekend i had watched him patting people on the head and you know placating and things like that and being what most people came to believe that hatsumi sensei was right whatever you were doing was a-okay and um, you really understand this stuff and whatever, right? And anyway, he uh, or she, she, uh, what do you call? Him? Uh, int- reintroduced me, and he did kind of a half nodded bow kind of thing, and and I bowed, and you know, and he he says uh, he shook my hand kind of half heartedly, right? And um, he looked at me dead in the eye. He said, "Okay, happy now." I said. Man, I don't know. <laughs> right. So um, it was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> but <laughs> so anyway, um, but I, I, I really want I, want I want you to think about this. Right. And again, I'm going to do this in typical Japanese uh, fashion, which is what leads most Westerners astray. Right. Uh, I'm going to suggest that you think about this um, and give it some serious thought. But it's only a suggestion, right? And if you know what I'm talking about with the way the Japanese use the word suggest and suggestion, then you know um, what I'm talking about. But we'll we'll leave it at that because you're not my personal student, right? I'm probably not your mentor, um, at least not directly, which means I haven't taken responsibility for your training. And that's something that I learned very, very early on, right? Like when... uh a Shidoshi submits paperwork for a student, one of their black belts, to be a Shidoshi Ho, 
Again, this is the original intent when this stuff was all put in place, right? Um, that Shidoshi is taking responsibility for that Shidoshi Ho to teach them how to be a Shidoshi. I don't think most people know how to be a Shidoshi or a Shion because nobody taught them how. Nobody explained responsibilities. They might have been given a piece of paper with some general guidelines and rules that we all got, right? Um, but what the hell does that mean, right? So it just, they became rites of passage. They became more ego fodder, right, for people to uh, brag about, oh, I'm a Shidoshi, I'm a Shidoshi Ho, I'm a, I'm a Daishihan, I don't give a shit. Um, so, because I don't have to, right? Now, if I take a responsibility for somebody, I have to give a shit, right? I have to do my job, okay? I have, I have responsibilities and obligations to fulfill, okay, just like they do, right? And if they don't know, I teach them. If they don't want to know, I dissolve our relationship, okay, just like anybody that works for me, right? Volunteer status, pay status, or whatever, right? This is the way any good leader should operate, right? If somebody isn't performing to the level they're supposed to be performing at, right? And this goes for my students as well, right? They're not performing at the level they should be performing at. They're not practicing, if they're not studying, if they're not doing what it is that you know, bare minimum, right, that's in their uh, curriculum workbooks that they have, okay? Because we don't do anything vaguely, right? Vague. Vagueness begets vagueness, right? Um, it's for only one of two reasons, right? They can't or they won't. Can't is on me, right, or my staff. If somebody can't do something, what do we do, James? We teach them. Here's how you do it, okay? Now you can pass your test now, or now you, whatever. Now you have what you need to practice and whatever and, and prepare for your test or whatever, right? Um, or if you don't know how to operate something, you know, whatever, right? Computer system, email, autoresponder, whatever, right? It's easy, right? We teach you. If you won't, that's easy too. There's the damn door, right? I, I said this. In, in a different context, I think in a different, and again, it could have been a kuden, could have been training with my inner circle online guys. It could have been all these things kind of run together, right? But I think that people, leaders, instructors, students, managers, I think everybody operates like there's a third choice, like there's a third option, right? What will you do? To get yourself ready to pass the test at minimum standard level, what will you do? What are you currently doing to complete the task or the assignment you were given by the deadline you were given? What are you doing to, right? Nothing. Okay. What are you doing to trans transition out of this dojo into, you know, goofball alley? Or what are you doing to transition uh, to a different department? or to a different company, or to a different relationship, or whatever. Nothing. Okay. What are you doing to fulfill your obligations, to live up to your duties, to your promises, 
whatever, right? Since I brought in relationships too, right? To complete the task on time, nothing. Then what are you doing to transition out of this dojo, out of this department, out of this relationship, whatever, right? Nothing. Well, you need to pick one or I'll pick one for you because I think you think that there's a third option and there isn't a third option. See, this is what my mentors told me, taught me about how warriors think. And all of them, not all of them, were martial arts-oriented warriors. But they are absolutely friggin' warriors. Some in business, some in other, other specialties in life, whatever, right? But they all operate the same way, right? As long as this is a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Because you don't just go to a mentor to get things. What are you giving right shit some people don't even want to pay for classes but think the teacher should do all do all the work well you can't afford it okay what are you doing to be able to afford classes and to provide due value to the person who just spent their entire freaking life learning this stuff that you're expecting them to just give you what what's the what's the what's the trading kind right what's the value exchange what are they getting out of it why should they take time away from what they're doing, right? What's the exchange, right? There's lots of mentors that want to help, right? But if what are they supposed to do when they find out that the person, they're giving this information, they're giving this advice, they're teaching these lessons that were hard-won, right? Hard-won lessons. And the person's not doing anything with them. They're just supposed to hang out waiting for you to want something like McDonald's. Yeah, the drive up window will be here when you pull up. Don't worry about it. Okay. It's not the way, that's not the way mentors operate. Okay. Instructors, right? Depends, right? Some people need to be in a teacher role because they need to feel like they've got some kind of control. They may not have it in the relationship. They may not have it on the job. Whatever, this gives them a place to feel like they've got something going on, right? Some teachers are teachers because they need admiration. They need to be the guy. They, whatever, right? What I find is that mentors are so busy producing and they're on their own path and they're doing what they're doing, right? Um, they're not, they're not trying to be a teacher. They're not trying to be a mentor. Right? I tripped over myself and ended up being a teacher. Okay? I started a training group because I needed bodies. I started a training group because my teacher told me I needed bodies. <laughs> so, and it got out of hand and it became a school. But I didn't wait. All these people that keep contacting me, you know, email wise or whatever that, you know, my goal is to be a martial arts instructor and to run a school. Okay. So what will it take to work with you? I lay out what it takes to work with me. They go find somebody easier. Because okay? what they're looking for is the easiest route to be the guy with the appropriate belt color and the appropriate title. But yeah, are, are they are they worth somebody else going to? Well, shit. I don't know. Okay. So anyway. Uh, I'm going to stop beating a dead horse. So anybody 
uh, any questions, any comments, right? Anybody not understand why I said that the best question you can ask a, a mentor is, what is it that I believe is true that's wrong? Or what is it that I believe that's not true? What do we got, James? Uh, back from earlier, Lee said framework definitions create the framework, strengthen the framework to get better at anything, i.e. re-examine your definitions. That's why I'm always really, um, I'm really big on like in class, and it doesn't matter what program we're working on, um, I'll define certain words as we're going to use during that uh, time or during that course or whatever so that we're all clear about what we mean so that somebody can't redefine it some other way, right? And I know there's lots of ways that people can look at the words, coach, instructor, teacher, but we, we do that. We do the same thing in mod four, I think. Um, we have uh, what's the difference between um, a fighter, um, a soldier, and a warrior, right? Because we want to define, and it all goes to intention. Why are they using the skills they have? Right. So anyway, what else we got? Uh, Carl's on. Carl said good evening. Carl, hey, man. Always good to see Carl. I say see. It's always figurative. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Carl. He's like my ultimate ninja student. Right. <laughs> Carl, what's your next like sailing thing around the around the world or at least around Australia. <laughs> um, he's done that a couple of, well, I think a couple of times that I remember, but when's your next uh, big uh, adventure? I mean, it's uh, really yeah. hot in Australia right now. It's freaking cold here. Um, mm. I don't know how Santa shows up in Australia and how those stories get told, but um, <laughs> I can't imagine magical snow ending up when this is this time of year is freaking <laughs> really, really hot. So, anyway, sorry. Uh, Lee asked, mentors build toolboxes in the people they mentor? Question. Mm, maybe. I think mentors point out the tools that you need to make sure you have in your toolbox. Uh, and they they help you redefine things. Okay. Um, most people uh, here and here's a for instance, right? Most people, when they look at the wealthy, um, they can't understand how the wealthy make their money. Because, like, it's not possible from the way like we make our money. Right. So um, it they, they have to be cheating. They have to be corrupt. They have to. What if they thought about like debt and um time-based uh, wages differently than you do, right? Like they use debt to make money. And I don't mean your debt. I mean their debt. The, the relationship is completely different, right? Because they understand money and the way it works outside of for this much time, you're going to pay me this much money, right? They understand leverage. 
they just, you know, they understand the things that most people don't want to understand, but um, th there's a reason that, you know, there's a re I was just, again, I, I have strange hobbies, right? I was just listening to somebody who really understands this kind of leverage and whatnot. And so, um, like, people jump on certain financial products, like 401k plans, right? Well, it sounds all great because you're not being taxed on it, right? Your boss is, you know, your company is matching, right? If I put $4 in, my company puts $4 in, right? And it's all tax deferred. So when? So you take it out. And the more you have in, the bigger the tax bill. So you put in 400000 but you forgot. Your boss put in 400000 you're getting taxed on the whole damn thing, right? So people that understand money would never put their money in a damn 401k. Because you're going to pay the taxes on the bigger amount instead of paying taxes on the money that you made. I'll pay tax on this. Put that into a savings that isn't going to be taxable. Right. Because I already paid tax on the original amount. But it sounds good. But what you're, you're actually doing is making a giant freaking tax bill for yourself. That's going to come due when you need that money the most. And now you're in, it's going to be taxed on a way bigger tax bracket. So it sounds good. But who's making money off of it? The people selling you the 401k plan. Because that's how they make their money. Just like banks and all their fees. That's how they make their money. They hope that you have overdrafts because they get money on the overdraft. Right? So, again, just it's the people, the people that are producing the kind of, like, how does it say, right? I mean, the abilities that he had, right? I mean, wheelchair bound and all that. Right. So I can't speak for what he has now. I mean, I, I just have, you know, my ability to honor him and thank him and, and those kind of things. Right. But, you know, now he's teaching that no matter how good you get, life is life. Right. Um, but if people think that the abilities that he had were all based on just being really, really, really good at Taijutsu, and not intuitive sense and a lot of the stuff that comes from Kuji and all that kind of stuff and the, all the stuff that you can't see operating, right? You're high on crack, right? Or you're, you, you, you want to believe that what you'll always have your youth and your health and your, um, your whatever, right? I mean, anyway, Right. Um, a lot of people would have, would be would be not just averse. They would have been repulsed. It's a good word, right? Had they seen Hatsumi Sensei before retirement walking around the office, like lighting candles and incense uh, in the Shinden or on the on the uh, Kamiza Kamidana um, Butsudan and whatnot in his office, right? Not the same guy you see saw moving around in the dojo. Right? Like it was painful for me to watch. But at the same time, 
the fact that he was still teaching at that age. Right? Very different. All right, what else do we have? Uh, Carl said, nothing planned at the moment. COVID changed all that. Stuck at home myself with COVID. Finally caught it. Currently exploring own backyard. Oh, well, cool. I mean, not cool that you caught COVID. Not that. Just, you know, um, Carl's one of those guys that will always find something to do, right? Most of the feedback I get is um, uh, really well thought out questions and, you know, exploring other areas and things like that. So cool beans. Um, damn COVID anyway, right? All right. What else do we have? Is that it? That was it. That was it. All right. Well, um, I know we choose what we choose, right? But, you know, uh, I, I, well, I don't have the ability to do it now where people online would, or uh, the audio only folks on the podcast directories would, uh, would get this or whatever. But, um, I think, do I, do I have a video on YouTube of the, uh, the, uh, mastery that, that quick, down and dirty mastery lesson I have, uh, where I just draw that big circle, kind of mm-hmm. pie piece out, realm of the known, that kind of stuff that's on there. Yeah, so look that up. We'll try to try to get that out. But um, mastery is really in uh, the realm of what we call the realm of the unknown unknown. And the more of that that you can move into the realm of the known, right, the better off you're going to be. Because, I mean, the realm of the known is made up of two main categories or subcategories, right? It's made up of things that you know you know, right? You know how to dress yourself, you know how to write in a certain language, speak a certain language, how to dress yourself, how to whatever. There's a whole list of things that you know you know, right? But the second subcategory is um, the known unknown, right? Like I know that these things exist, but I don't know how to do them, right? Um, I don't know how to prepare an internal combustion engine. I don't know how to speak Swahili or Hungarian. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I know exist uh, in your martial arts training, right? There might be a, if, if your teacher gives you a syllabus like I give my students, then there might be things on there that, oh, I don't know that kata. I don't know uh, this thing, right? Okay, but you know it exists, right? So you know you don't know it. But in that context, you have choice, right? Do I want to learn it? So then I can move it over into the realm of the known known, or am I just, am I okay with leaving it there? Cool thing about being uh, a ninja is that we have a, a, a network, right? Of people that have skill sets that I don't need to know everything, right? I can reach out and get help or pay for help or whatever, right? But that only makes up like a small percentage of that whole circle, that whole uh, sphere. Right. Um, I think when I draw it out, just so I have room to write, I, I, I make it take up what, maybe a quarter of the circle. But that's really being really generous. Right. But the other three quarters. Right. The other two thirds of the circle is the realm of the unknown unknown. Right. That's the stuff in the world, the universe, your life about you. Right. Uh, one of our one of our uh, vows of intentions. Right. We have eight vows of intentions that our students have to um, have to learn and. Uh, memorize and recite and all that kind of stuff, right? I know it's not in the scrolls, right? Sue me. Um, but it, these are statements that if, if people know them, then they know when they're seeing it. They know when they're 
they're not living to that or whatever, right? So one of the vows of intentions is um, I intend to learn as much about myself, my world, and my martial art, or as much as possible about myself, my world, my martial art, right? Which now causes me to seek, right? What is it that I don't know about me, about the way my body operates, about the way uh, the mind works or my mind works or uh, how my word structure and how I explain things or whatever. How does that affect other people? All that kind of stuff, right? So um, all that stuff is in the realm of the unknown unknown, right? If I don't know that it exists, I can't do anything with it, right? So the first goal is to reach out and expose ourselves to as much stuff as possible. And a lot of it's going to be uncomfortable, right? But the way things were framed to me when I was a white belt was, if there is something out there that can increase my chances, even by one-tenth of one percent, of surviving a violent encounter, right, then why would I not want to know that? If there's something out there that can increase my ability to have a happy, well-balanced, mutually beneficial relationship with somebody, in friends, coworker, whatever, right, why would I not want to know that, all right? Are you, are you going to know everything? No, probably not, right? We'll die trying to learn everything, right? But the whole idea is to to stack the odds in our favor, right? To uh, increase the positive, right? To add to the positive, to reduce the negative, and to eliminate the negative that we can eliminate, right? I mean, that's so in in the eight the noble eightfold path, right? There's just this one line in in uh, exoteric. Uh, Buddhist thought that's just right effort, right? Um, you know, on the, at a very base level, you're putting the, the putting uh, your finite energy reserves and attention and all that, right? You're putting most of that into things that you say are important to you, right? And the stuff that's not their their distractions or their temporary entertainments or whatever, then okay, a little bit can go in here because you know all work and no play makes Jeff a dull boy. But um, in Mikyo, we really start tearing this stuff apart, right? So it's not just right effort. It's the four right efforts, right? So uh, uh, add to the positive, right? Add more positive to your life, right? Increase the positive that's already going on. Reduce the negative that you can't eliminate, right? So you can at least reduce it. Right. And then eliminate that which you can eliminate. But it takes work. It takes awareness. It takes, you know. But it all starts with right perspective and right view. Right. What do I believe I'm worthy of? Right. You have to look at the way you operate. Right. People like to deny things. Right. Well, I, I think I'm worth, you know, what, but you don't act, think or speak that way, because if you did think that you were worth that, then you wouldn't let certain people do certain things to you. You wouldn't avoid certain opportunities because they were uncomfortable, you, whatever, right? And this is for me too. I don't, don't think that I'm on some kind of a pedestal, right? This is a constant everyday kind of thing, right? I just took a, took a major leap into uh, learning a skill set to get more students in the dojo that I had been holding off for a long time because I was worried that, you know, if I if I made a misstep, I'd lose a lot of money and whatever. And, wow, 
in less than five days, we ended up with 31 leads, right? That turned into five students already that, wow. So, um, but it took a while, right? And it took, um, you know, I paid one mentor a lot of money to teach me the stuff that I didn't even know I didn't know about uh, structuring like the websites and uh, making sure that I was, you know, really clear on message and, and that kind of stuff, right. To make sure that everything worked properly, right. So that I wasn't just throwing messages around. <laughs> I remember, remember one guy, he was, he was a student of mine for all of about, I don't know, 37 minutes, but um, he just rushed to set up a martial arts school. And I kept seeing these little things that he, um, uh, there were ads that he threw up on, on Facebook. Right. And the slogan was, uh, was, um, uh, he, he talked about class being tonight. This is the topic. Right. And then the slogan was, let's get our ninjutsu on. The hell does that even mean? And especially to people that you're trying to, you know, show the benefits of it. What, what does that mean to, to anybody? Right. What the hell does the word ninjutsu mean? What is Bujinkan, Masaki Hatsumi, all that kind of stuff? Uh, Kukishinden Ryu, Gyoko Ryu. What does that mean to people outside of the realm that they're already doing it? Right? Most people's, most people's, um, websites in the martial arts realm is more of a stroke to the ego, right? And talking to people who already know, right? Than it is sharing the benefits of what somebody will be able to get out of the training. I know you'll learn how to punch, kick, and, and do joint locks and all that kind of stuff. You'll be able to, um, you know, be able to protect your family. Yeah. So what's the benefit of that benefit? No, the video didn't freeze. The audio didn't stop. Right. Okay. If you can learn that skill to where you're not focused on features, right? You're focused on benefits. Okay. And then you're also focused on the benefit of the benefit. It's not just a martial arts teacher thing. This is also not just me recruiting people into my, into my dojo, right? You can explain that or, or lay things out using that format to not only students, but teenagers, coworkers, other people that you're trying to get, uh, compliance or partnerships or whatever with, right? What's the benefit of the benefit? Right. You'll be able to do this thing. Yes. What will that produce? Okay. You get your second degree black belt. You will be able to handle, well, at least in my curriculum, you'll be able to handle any jack wagon on the street who has a moment and comes at you. I'm not talking about it like a killer or whatever. Right. You'll be able to handle him with Taijutsu alone. Nothing else. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. But what if I say you'll be able to do that, which means that your um, your confidence, right, will and and your ability to relax and feel more free um, and to enjoy yourself, right, in strange locations, on vacation, all that kind of stuff, right, will just skyrocket, right, because you don't just have a skill set and now you're going to be hyper vigilant and not enjoy yourself because you can't relax, right? Um, you can 
you, you can relax more. You can feel free, right? You can feel powerful, right? Which will also cross over and allow you to explore other areas because you're not going to be afraid of the unknown as much, right? I mean, if you're not afraid of somebody throwing whatever the hell they want to throw at you, what is going to make you afraid, right? I tell, I tell youth students and their parents, right? By the time I tie that junior black belt on around their waist in three years, you're going to be able to get away from me uh, cutting at you with a live sword, and you're going to avoid it at full speed with a smile on your face. Wow. Well, that also sounds scary. Okay. But after I say that, I look at the parents and I say, if they're that confident, can you imagine anything happening to them in their lives that's going to shake them? See, the benefit of the benefit. Because the feature is I'm going to teach you how to avoid and come I. That's where most people stop. What does that mean? Uh-huh. And what's the benefit of that? How does this stuff, how does the benefits you're getting from this martial art cross over into your overall, the grand scheme of your life and make things better in other areas? Or are we still compartmentalizing everything? I don't know. It's not my job to know your your. Uh, your circumstances, unless you're one of my guys. Right? I don't think I have any girls at the moment, so I can't say that. I mean, in the dojo, we've got plenty of women and all that, but um, online stuff. Anyway. All right. So, uh, James, anything else pop up? No, sir. No, we're all good. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to wrap this up. Please, 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 right, if you're listening to this live, uh, mark your calendars. Uh, last training at the dojo for the year is Thursday, December 22nd, right? Uh, if you are one of my inner circle guys, uh, Platinum uh, or Friday uh, coaching group or whatever, um, we are doing a class. Did I say that? We are doing class Friday the 23rd in the morning, right? We're doing that. Uh, but our, our Christmas party is that evening uh, at the dojo, the 23rd. And then 24th through um, uh, the new year, right, uh, I'm taking time off. And then we'll be back in um, that that point, right? So, And then our Daikomiosai uh, yearly kickoff, yes, unattended, uh, seminar is January 6th, 7th, and 8th. During that seminar, we will be doing a uh, GOMA uh, active meditation uh, kind of thing to set goals for the new year, uh, all that stuff. So uh, I apologize for being thrown off a little bit. Uh, the death of uh, one of my black belts and longtime student, uh, Shoshi Paul, kind of threw things off uh, for us. Uh, I'm dealing with uh, uh, a contractor that abandoned uh, the repairs of our house, leaving it a mess. So I'm I'm all over the place trying to take care of that. Um, and uh, let's just like. Did I mention that at the beginning? Uh, one of our, uh, one of my other black belts, uh, his uh, oldest son, was found uh, dead uh, at home, uh, just out of the blue, no medical conditions or anything that we know of. Uh, yesterday, so uh, I spent time 
with him, making sure that he was okay. Again, something that you know I think is a teacher's responsibility and obligation. Make sure that your people people are okay. Anyway, but that's that's me. Um, so uh, keep those dates in mind uh, so that you're not looking for things. Uh, there will probably not be a kuden on December 26th, that Monday. Okay, uh, there should be one on January 2nd, right? Um, unless I change my mind, <laughs> which I reserve the right to do. Right. So that's it, guys. I will talk to everybody again next time. Be safe. And I apologize for the glitches, the technology, whatever it is, what it is. But I'll talk to you again next week. Uh, let me find my stuff here. Yeah, I think that's it, right? That's all we have. Okay, so I'll talk to you next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.